where we try to do things as cheap as possible. Um, not, and that is because that's what we, <laughs> I can afford, but also just because that's relatable, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that can, you can get uh, five or six of your buddies together and, and round up, you know, a couple thousand dollars total and go on one of these adventures is what I like to call it. Um, the first year we did. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on guys and welcome to another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Today we got the host of Cabela's Northern Flights, John Lewis, and we're going to be discussing out-of-state trips, you know, along with all kinds of different duck and goose waterfowl stories. So buckle up guys and let's jump right into the episode. Let's go. What's up, Outdoors? What's up Michael? What's up Brad? Let's go. <laughs> catchphrase developing <laughs> that's all michael man i mean i guess he brought it to my attention that i say it a lot but <laughs> it's all michael you say it constantly <laughs> I, I didn't think i said it until every comment hey thanks michael audio well, sounds I'm gonna, great i'm gonna post freaking smash this next season like crazy i'm having on more hunts <laughs> did i say that's that good. in my turkey video that i did yesterday or that's that i posted no, no, I think I said freaking smash, and I chuckled because it made me think of that. <laughs> in, the, in your video? I don't, I don't Maybe it's yeah, the next one I have coming out. But as soon as I said it, I thought of you I, guys. You know, you're going to have to pay royalties for that. Yeah, I'll have to put hashtag freelance duck hunting or duck magnet, whatever it was. Because <laughs> we're going to get rolling here in just a sec. Yep, just let everybody roll in. How's everybody doing this week? I guess I'll start it off with the story. Um, so, man, I've had a crazy few last, I guess, five days. Um, so I got poison ivy, and you guys saw some of that in the Facebook group. You guys saw some of the pictures I posted. Um, but, man, you can still see it on my face. It's still pretty red. Uh, but, yeah, I went to the doctor on Friday, Friday morning. You know, I noticed it Thursday night. I woke my wife up. I'm like, does my face look kind of poofy? And, um, she's like, yeah, she's like, maybe you should like put, like take some Benadryl or something like that. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to sleep it off. I wake up the next morning and my face is like a balloon, <laughs> <laughs> just covered in poison ivy. My eye, my eyelids are like swollen over the top. I have like bags under my eyes and, uh, I'm like, I better go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor and they give me steroid pills, steroid pills, um, they don't do that much. Like, honestly, they just didn't do anything. And then by like Saturday night, like I was just like, my eyes were literally, were literally swollen shut. And, uh, so we went to the urgent care center and they gave me the shot. They tripled my dosage of steroids. And finally, like yesterday, the swelling went down and now I'm just left with a nice red rash just all over me. I got it going down my neck. Just, yeah. So I don't know. It's winter. I don't know where the poison ivy's come from, but I got you it. At first, I wasn't sure. I was like second guessing the doctor because I'm like, "There's no poison. Like, where am I going to get it?" But I think the more, the longer I've had it, the more I realize it's poison ivy, not just you know something else. So, 
it's a nice welcoming to spring yeah yeah and then everybody's <laughs> like you better stay out of the woods i'm like uh <laughs> it's not yeah. kind of like i don't really stay out of the woods so <laughs> i've got three boys in our house two of them get poison ivy just by looking at it and then one is immune to it like i am well, that's like a superpower like if someone asked me someday what my superpower would be, i'm like being <laughs> not allergic to poison ivy. There's a better yeah. way of saying that, but it's a nice thing to have. Yeah. Talky about it. How about you, John? Do you feel like you're superior to people that get it? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I'll go in there. Actually, funny story. When I was real young, like 13, my first job, I was kind of bragging about being. I wouldn't get poison ivy. So my boss, I worked on a sod farm, and he goes, "All right, well, you, I got a great job for you. You can go pull all the poison ivy vines off the Christmas trees." So. <laughs> I don't tell everybody that anymore because it's got me into some pretty oh, wow. junky jobs before. But, so. <laughs> I worked for a landscape company and we had to clear off like the side of a road and we're weed whacking the crap out of it. And uh, oh, that was probably the time I got like got it the yeah. worst and I got it all over my face. And I, I think ever since I got it that time in my face, it's just like I've been getting it worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But... Anyways, I guess this is a good point to go ahead and jump into the podcast. So, thanks for joining us, everybody. Today we got John Lewis. Um, he's got his own YouTube channel, Just Hunt Club, and he also does video for Cabela's Northern Flights uh, video series. So, uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, so uh, um, I guess... Just give us a little brief intro to who you are, what you do, what you got going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I kind of started, I'll just go kind of into the story where it all began. Um, I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania in a fairly small town. Um, my grandparents had a small 40-acre dairy farm, which is pretty much what sparked my outdoor interest was was being there. We had uh, we had own around 150 acres could hunt like 250, which around where I grew up was, that's a lot of land. So, um, that kind of sparked my outdoor interest. I went to a small college, just not too far from there, lived on the farm and I had to do a internship to graduate, which I never did. I never graduated. I am a college dropout. Um, <laughs> But uh, so that internship, I was really interested in uh, wildlife and land management. Um, so I actually moved out to Iowa. I took an internship with a company called Midwest Whitetail. Um, for those of you that are big deer hunters, that's where I kind of got my video editing career started was out there. And I interned out there for, it was pretty close to a year through the summer, doing a lot of land management projects on the farm. Um, and then I filmed through the fall, edited uh, uh, semi live series. And, uh, we had been having, or my boss at that time had a couple contracts with Cabela's. We did like Cabela's spring thunder. Um, my good friend, Aaron, I'm sure some people have seen that he produced that for a while. And then, uh, there's always thoughts of a waterfowl show. So that's kind of where I all started with Cabela's was doing that and got my video editing, editing experience through, uh, the Midwest Whitetail internship. Um, and now here I am, I lived out there for off and on since 2013. And then, uh, my fiance and I moved back East to New York just last May. So we've been here for about a year just to get a little closer to family. So that's my, that's my quick 
story of how I kind of got to where I am right now. Um, I've been doing the Northern Flight Series since 2014, I believe. So this year will be the fifth year of it. And uh, I've got to, got to experience a lot of really, really cool things and meet a lot of awesome people. So Nice. Well, then producing videos is your full-time occupation. Yep. Yep. That would be it. So I, I do freelance stuff for, for some other, I mean, mostly behind the scenes stuff where I'm just cutting videos and, and producing them um, pretty much throughout everything, whether it's waterfowl, uh, deer, turkey, re- really anything, weddings. Um, just I try to spend as much time either behind a camera or behind a computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> so not to get too personal, but um, would you say like the freelance stuff pays the bills or are you, are you uh, employed by somebody? No, I am a hundred percent freelance right now. Um, this is the first year I did it and it's definitely, uh, it was definitely a leap of faith. So there's a lot, lot to, it's, it's different to say, I'm still learning the ropes of it. Um, trying to get out there and, and meet more people, see where my niche is. Uh, the hunting industry is a awesome industry, but it can be pretty tough to find work in. Um, so that's where, you know, filming weddings or, or other type of work comes into play. But yeah, it uh, it pays the bills. Um, my fiance is an RN nurse, so that helps a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, there you go. But um, yeah, it, it's it's my full time occupation. So so your video production extends beyond wildlife, then. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's that's kind of uh, I haven't broke through the ice with that yet. That's that's kind of my new venture is to try to get more into into some corporate stuff um, where it's just outside of the outdoor industry. So I can be, you know, outdoor industry is great through the fall and everything like that. And summer can kind of die off pretty quick. So there's a couple months in there where I can, you know, whether it's real estate type stuff or uh, jack of all trades, master of none, I guess. <laughs> so with your, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. so with, with your um, Cabela's Northern Flight video series, and I know you're mm-hmm. starting your own, um, you had the, the name was Just Hunt Ducks, but now it's yep. Just Hunt Club. So how's that going to play into it? You know, um, being able to film for Cabela's and film for your own YouTube, like you have a plan for that or. Yeah. So we have, um, usually the Cabela's series, I think it's contracted out to about 22 episodes. Um, this year we had so much extra content. I mean, so much that we couldn't even fit into the, into the episodes. It was just too much because they're, you know, you're turning them around. Like you guys know, within a week, um, of when the hunt's actually happening. So you have a hunt, you get an episode, unless I wanted to have 40 minute episodes, there was so much con- extra content that we never used. So we were just, the Just Hunt Club kind of, let's well, start off as Just Hunt Ducks. And then we're like, well, we're gonna be doing a lot more than just hunting ducks. So we figured we'd switch it up before we got too deep into it. Um, is it's, it's just something with, that we can do with all of our extra, extra footage that's more of a low-key fun type type thing for people to follow along with now will you be putting those videos out later on like the next season or will they they be coming out because my understanding is your cabela's videos come out like you said like pretty soon after Mm -hmm. yeah yeah other youtube channel how are you going to run those videos and time frame wise the plan is to hopefully have i mean the just hunt club probably won't be as weekly like the Cabela's series will be. Um, 
it'll probably be maybe a bi-weekly, but we're going to try and keep it as semi-live as, as possible, maybe a little uh, less produced, if that makes any sense. So yeah. it's going to be more of, I would say, more of a video blog type style where we're, we're getting the content and trying to get it out as soon as possible. Yeah. Nice. I think the semi-live <laughs> stuff is, is really the, the, the niche for waterfowl too, because it's such a timely thing, you know. Yeah, do you agree that that's changed over the last five years? Cause I know that like uh, when you were watching shows on whether they're ducks unlimited or the ones that were on cable TV, it seemed like their pattern was hunt a whole year mm -hmm. and use everything off season and start putting things out like July, August, September. And now things seem to be going more towards um, right on the spot. You know, you hunt, you get it out. You're more personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it's going. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, with where we're at now, I mean, even five years ago, you have to where we are now, you have everything at your fingertips. I mean, whether it's Instagram stories, Snapchat, I mean, people just want to see stuff now. And then, <laughs> you know, they, that's how we're bred anymore is we're so used to being able to have everything right at our fingertips. So um, now I, I do think there's a place for those other things because that's where you're going to see that highly cinematic type, you know, footage and, and production, which is, is enjoyable as well. But so is just seeing your average guy go out and shoot ducks, whether it's done extremely nice, or I'd rather watch something that comes out a day after it's happened than something that happened last year, because I can relate to it. Yeah. yeah especially with the water trends. I noticed when I'm watching something that comes out the previous years, in fact, this happened to me with one of your videos, um, because I just thought it was at a different time than it was. I was, mm -hmm. I was watching a bunch of videos yesterday, um, and you guys were doing a spring uh, snow goose hunt. And I thought this happened um, this year, but I just looked at the date wrong. And yeah. It was last year. And you guys were talking about the migration being early, and I couldn't, I was having problems relating <laughs> to it. And I was yeah. thinking, no, it wasn't until I figured out that it was last year. And mm -hmm. when when people are putting out hunts right away, you just connect to the weather and the pattern. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Fast food generation. We want everything now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it is. It's definitely takes some time to adapt to that too. Yeah. So, One thing I really love about your videos um, is that, and Jordan and I were actually talking about this recently. Typically what I feel like you have, you have these really heavily produced videos or then you have the vlog style. And my videos are always the vlog style because number one, I don't have the equipment or the skills to do the highly produced one. Mm -hmm. And number two, I'm just some guy hitting record on a camera basically. <laughs> but um, I think the per perfect marriage in a video is you have the production side, but yet you're still able to tell the story and relate personally to people because you see guys on YouTube and the guys on YouTube that are really taking off, I think people are connected to them personally. Mm-hmm. Those guys do really well, but then the high-end produced ones do pretty well too. And someone's going to come along and do a perfect marriage of the two. And as I was watching your videos yesterday, I watched um, one, and I don't know what year it was from. You guys went to North Dakota, and the winds were completely outrageous. Yep, and that was this year. I, I believe it was this year, yeah. Yep. And um, I was thinking as I was watching, I was like, I think on that video, on your videos, you're starting to really do it. It's where you're doing the production side, but yet – you're relatable and personable, almost in a vlog style. 
And I don't think you see that people being able to do that where they're mar marrying the two together of people getting to know you, uh, you're personable, but yet the production level is high. Yeah. Yeah. And well, being I timely. That. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that a lot. That's, it's, it's hard to, that's kind of where I went through my internship. That's how we were kind of bred, I guess, to an extent um, with that quick turnaround, but then the production quality. So um, it took, it took time. I mean, if you go back and you watch some of my shows from 2014, I can't even watch them because I'm just <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, what is, <laughs> you know, but is that I, the, I really appreciate that. Is that the chasing November series? Uh, chasing November would have been through the company I used, I, I worked for out in Iowa. Yes. I okay. didn't produce that. Um, one of my good friends, Greg Clements produced that. And, okay. uh, he's in, in my eyes, probably one of the, one of the best producers in the outdoor industry. If you had to ask me. So not to get too far off topic, but didn't, uh, yeah. but that group of guys that you worked with, was there like a falling out or a splitting? Cause now they're like all doing their own thing, right? There's the hunting public. They're still yeah, they're, West White they, uh, Yeah. They started their, uh, their own company called the hunting public. And, uh, they're, they're also my really good friends. Actually, I think, uh, Zach's planning on coming out here in the next or the first week of Turkey season to do some Turkey hunting out in New York. Um, they just decided to, to spread their wings and, and do their own thing. And it's worked out awesome for them. They're, they're really taking off and I love watching those guys. It's what's awesome about their channel is I know all of them personally. Um, they're all really good friends of mine and the guys you see on camera are the same exact guys that you see when they're off camera. And I think nice. that's really, really the hit that people are grabbing onto. Yeah. So. That Zach guy's hilarious. Like, uh, <laughs> just like how emotional he is. And like, I don't even know oh, yeah. like, what the right words are. He's just, he's a goofball and it's just, yeah. I don't know. Like you said, it's... Zach has a personality and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. I love, I love hunting with Zach. He's I'm excited to, I don't know if I'll be able to keep up with him. He's a go, 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 go type guy, but <laughs> He's a, he's a trip and he's, he's a lot of fun. So I'm glad that's working out for him in there. Yeah. Didn't you have really him, well. you had him come out in one of your goose hunts in one of those videos, right? <laughs> Last year, I, I believe I, uh, probably a late season hunt. I think it was, um, he came out, we shot it. We shot our lemon and I called him. We were hunting like <laughs> two minutes from our office and I was like, get out here now, Zach and shoot your birds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a fun guy. It's actually funny. Zach's, Zach has a fear of flying birds. So to get him out goose hunting <laughs> was actually pretty interesting. He, he was at uh, the first time he went out, he's like, I don't know if I like this. I don't like things coming at me like that. So, <laughs> but, so well, they had, uh, what they have, uh, there was a hunter this, this last, uh, winter that got injured from a goose that he shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got knocked that, out. <laughs> yep. I've seen that happen actually. I was probably 13 where I grew up. You couldn't hunt until you were 12. So I wasn't able to, to really start hunting until I was 12. Um, I had been out hunting and just watching and stuff before then. And when I was 13, we were hunting my grandparents farm and we had a goose come down one of those old Avery blinds that have the bars through everything. And that goose came down and snapped one of them bars right in half. I mean, oh, wow. when they come out of the, come out of the sky, a 10 pound goose can do some serious damage. So, yeah. But. So what, what would you say, you said when you look back at your old videos that you cringe, what do you see has been the things that you've improved on the most? Or if you could talk to that yourself back mm -hmm. then, what advice would you give to yourself? 
Um, I think just being more comfortable in front of the camera. Um, I, when I look back, I just can see how nervous I was, you know, it's like when that camera came up, it was like, you're standing in front of a stadium of, of 20,000 people. Um, but, uh, I would say that, and just the cleanliness as you, as you get more into, I always tell people that, you know, whether they're working with me, once you start editing, it makes you a lot better of a videographer because you start to realize how everything pieces together. Um, so just the cleanliness of audio and that type of stuff is, is kind of, I'm a big audio guy. Um, I can't watch things that have bad audio. It, and that's just me personally. It just drives me nuts. So that's like my pet peeve. My OCD is, is audio. So I'd say a lot more of the cleanliness, the use of music. Um, if I look back on some of the old stuff I did, I, I relied a lot on the beats of the music and stuff like that, where now I spend a lot more time trying to find, if I do use music, trying to find a song that that fits what I'm portraying in a video. Um, but I, I try to rely heavily more on the natural audio or audio that you're capturing rather than some hard rap song or rock song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say, I'd say that would, those would be the big things that I would, I look back on and kind of cringe at. And now where do you find your music? Um, I, yeah, I use a, I use a website. It's called Artlist. Um, they have a membership. I couldn't tell you how much it is right off the top of my head, but it's uh, unlimited downloads. Um, good for YouTube. Good for anything. Um, it's not terrible. Uh, music can be really expensive, and uh, it seems like more companies are starting to drop that off with this whole YouTube sensation. And um, because YouTube has their free music library and now granted it's not going to be as good as something you pay for, but there's a lot more competition there. So good music is actually becoming more readily available. It just takes a while to find it. Um, it I spend, when I edit videos, it, it sometimes I'll find a song and it's like, boom, that's it. Some days I'll spend an entire day until I find the right song that I want to use that fits. It's just, one of those things and it yeah, drives me nuts i know yeah. how that is <laughs> so i've got the, a... the music thing is frustrating for me i know the first two seasons i was putting um uh, videos on youtube i was using this song for the intro that i just loved and i never was going to go away from it then i got into researching copyright laws and stuff mm-hmm. and I'm like i can't i can't use it so i went out and actually paid like 500 dollars to keep it up on season two but I was just like, then I started looking for music and everything to me sounded so generic yeah. and awful. And it was just so frustrating. I would love to use more music, but finding good stuff is so hard. Mm-hmm. When yeah. It, yeah. It, either you got to pay too much or just, I mean, I've listened to so much, just it all has that same generic sound to it. But well, you, I think it's all computer generated. Is that the music <clears throat> feels good. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, not the easiest thing. I'd say find, if you're using music, that's probably one of the hardest things to to find is the right song. But, and what's that site again you use? Uh, it's called Artlist. Artlist. And then I actually, one of, um, one of our good friends, his name's uh, Jim Riser, he used to play or he used to tour with John Mellencamp. 
and uh, is a artist and and uh, he'll write songs for us every now and then. Um, He's he's an awesome guy. He's actually got a YouTube channel too. He just took it. His mom turned 83 and he's taking her out uh, turkey hunting this year. So he's a he's an awesome guy and a great, great mentor. So he's he's very talented with that. Um, I can give him an idea of kind of what I'm thinking and whole he can spin something out in a couple of days. So it's it's pretty awesome to to have that resource as well. So do you nice. just tell him kind of feel you're looking for basically? Is mm-hmm. that the session? Yep. Yeah, I'll tell him a feel or if I have, you know, maybe it's a song that I heard on the radio or something, I'll say this is kind of the the style I want to go with and then he'll just sit down and make magic pretty much. So he's it's yeah, exactly. It's incredible <laughs> what he can turn around and, and come out with. So we had a guy on a few weeks ago and he's planning to take his composer along with them on every hunt to, <laughs> so they can get oh, the right yeah. music. <laughs> that's well, passion that's of pursuit. Yeah. yeah. Are you that's familiar with passion of pursuit? I've heard of him before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He was serious. He's going to, he's going to hire a composer to go on their trip up to Canada because he wants the, he wants the guy to experience the feel Mm-hmm. what was happening and then write the music which makes perfect sense but man that's yeah. that's dedicated yeah. that's awesome <laughs> yeah more power to him has yeah. he found the guy yet or is he still searching? I think so. really that's I think awesome so. <laughs> that's awesome that's cool yeah. stuff you know kind of going back to uh what you were what we were talking about earlier with having the the correct marriage with being personable and having great um you know video content you know canna outdoors if they could like mm-hmm. have that quality with the vlogging, I think that's what um, Elliot's kind of talking about. Yeah. And uh, that would be, yeah, that'd be like, uh, I don't even know. It'd make duck hunting the coolest thing <laughs> on the internet. I mean, but I already think it is, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that They are very, very talented people. I assume that their edits, though, take months, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know for sure, but it seems like... Um, a lot of their stuff is is not quick turnaround. It's more of the documentary type, yep. really, really highly produced produced style. So that takes a lot of time, a lot of nitpicky stuff that goes into that. Yeah, and um, one of my favorite videos that they did is, well, they've done like the duck trip and Dr. Duck, mm-hmm. um, but the, it's not even a duck hunting one. It's the linguist, and it's about mm-hmm. elk hunting. And that was, uh, I'm like, I'm, I want to elk hunt now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I saw that. That was an awesome production. Yeah. How long does it take you to do, how many hours do you think on a typical waterfowl video? It depends if I can get that song within the first day or not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd say on average, uh, sit down, go through all the footage to a final product, minimum 12 to 16 hours, I'd say. Two days of of sitting down and and doing it. That's not bad. Yeah. Wait, how many it's, days you say? I'd say two two full days of really, really working. Gotcha. I mean, that's, you know, 14, 12, 12 or two eight-hour days, gotcha. I'd say 16 hours around. I would say if I really can focus, which is difficult <laughs> sometimes, yeah, especially yeah. when you work out of your house. So. so do you, Uh, this is, you know, kind of personal question for me, like, uh, cause I kind of go back and forth with what I do on this, but do you edit to the music or do you put the music to the edit? Hmm. Cause I, I know you said like, music. if you, 
you edit to the music. This is a lot easier yeah. that way because, like, if yeah. you want to cut with the beats and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I usually try to figure out the feel for my kind of breakdown. Will be I'll go through everything and kind of see how the feel of the footage is before I add any music. So is this is this a more fun hunt? You know, are we having a good time? Things are working out in our favor, or is this a man we're getting our butts kicked you know <laughs> so that that yeah. usually just going in right off the bat and knowing the, the feel of what you want to go with really helps when you are looking for um the music and and you know the this particular song so all right um i guess let's jump to one of the break sections here unless you got anything else to add on here elliot all right. Um, so a couple weeks ago, or I guess it's been longer than that, we guys we started the the Facebook group. So uh, we've been having lots of activity in there. So uh, I got that link down here in the description down below if, if any of you guys Fellowship haven't joined it. What was that? Fellowship of the Duck Gun. Yeah, Fellowship of the Duck Gun. So uh, community segment, I'm going to share some of our pictures we got added this week. Let's jump over here to the second monitor. All right. Uh, Jason with some snow geese. And we got uh, Chance showing off his hybrid again. Pretty sweet bird. <laughs> Not too far from Elliot in Kansas. And we got Fred with his dog. I can't remember what kind of dog that is. Um, hmm. uh, shoot. Fred, if you're in here, say what, what kind of breed of dog it is. Cool little dog, though. We had uh, Barton Ramsey on. We talked duck dogs last week. So that's why we got some of the duck dog pictures. And then Chase with a mallard limit. And there's me with my poison ivy face. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, um, next week, go ahead and post in the in the group your uh, turkey, your turkey pictures from last year or this year if you got any. Um, our podcast next week is gonna be back on Elliot's channel, uh, Freelance Duck Hunting, and um, we're gonna be doing a little bit of turkey conversation. Elliot's opens up that Wednesday, and mine opens up a week after that. Anything to add on this community segment, Elliot? Um, no, I just encourage people to go over and check out Fellowship of Duck Guns. It's growing, and a lot of the conversation over there is interesting and, and worth your time. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, I would say go over there and check it out because it's certainly worth it. Yeah, and I guess where I'm on the, why we are on the subject of the podcast, if you guys could do us a huge favor, um, it really helps us be found in the search results. Um, you know, we're trying to grow this as best we can um, and share our content with everybody. But if you can drop us a review or a written review over there on the podcast, um, it helps us out a lot, and we appreciate it. All right. Can you ask more questions now? What was that? I said, can I ask more questions now? Uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so I'm really curious about what your waterfowl hunt year looks like. We were talking before, and you said you hunt like 90 days. Mm -hmm. So and And I know you guys travel a lot. So – Give us kind of an outline, like, do you have a typical pattern that you go through? I know I set up my hunt calendar 
like July and I'll have pretty much everything written down where I'm where I would like to go some options. So how do you guys set up your hunt calendar? And also you said you hunt like 90 days a year. How do you get in the, the two hour or the two days straight of editing while you're hunting so frequently? It's just kind of your time. Yeah. Right? And how do you, yeah, uh, just a, to add one question to that. Yeah. And how do you get your wife to be okay with all that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where it, pay, it pays some of the bills comes in. Just to answer that one quick. Um, but yeah, uh, we, at the end of the year, we usually, I guess I'll start by saying I, I've kind of turned from, I, I feel like once you, when you start waterfowl hunting, you, you kind of elevate through stages. So um, I'm at that stage now where I'm looking at experiences rather than just killing a lot of birds or adventures. Um, and that really started probably two years ago, but, uh, for calendar wise, we're very fortunate that we can go, um, whenever it feels right, I guess. So we'll, we'll, we'll decide, you know, this is usually we try to hit, do four or five trips a year that are pretty decent, decently long trips, um, outside of, you know, four or five hours. And we'll plan that usually right around, like you said, you'll pick where we want to hit. Um, and we'll usually pick five or six different places. And then we may slide some in or move some around depending on weather. Um, my favorite one that we do every year is North. I absolutely love it because it can, it can be a challenge, but your success out there can also be really good, but so dependent on weather. Um, if you go back two years ago, we struggled, struggled really, really hard. And that was because of just poor, poor planning on our end. Um, we went out there with a the full moon that really, really hurt us really bad. Um, but uh, yeah, we hunt like you probably, I would have to add them up again, but I'd say between 75 and 90 days a year. Uh, the editing, I do a lot on the road. So we'll go out and we'll like for example in north dakota um you know we'll get out there we'll scout for two days and then i'm going to sit down and edit for a night and then get up hunt come back edit pretty much every free chance i have i'm, I'm at least trying to cut something up so those two eight hour days may not be back to back it may be more like four you know three four four hour days um just sporadic through there but uh a lot of our planning I'd say I have one of my good friends that lives close that does a lot of that I've hunted with quite a bit, Shane Kramer. Um, his job is nice. His schedule works out where he'll, he'll he may have five days off in a row, and he knows that way in advance. So we'll try to plan some trips when he's going to have those five days off, which makes it easier. And then if the weather's not looking good for the trip, we'll just can it. We won't go um, because we have that luxury of just being able to get a phone call from somebody out there saying, Hey, it's on, let's go. And then we go. Um, we've done a lot of sporadic trips that were not planned at all. Um, just because the weather looked good and we had the time to do it and we just ran with it. Um, our Canada trip this year was about planned five days before we left. <laughs> and that consisted of going on Airbnb, finding the cheapest place, possible that was close to where we were going to hunt and it's 50 bucks a night probably one of the grossest places i've ever slept in um that i paid for anyways <laughs> and uh 
it was a blast. It was, it was, we didn't kill a lot of birds, but it was probably one of my favorite trips of the year. Um, just the ups and downs of it. So there's so, definitely a lot of planning though. So. You're 20, you have 22 um, episodes for Northern, Northern flights. Yeah. How do you, so do you make videos out of every hunt or do you go on a hunt and say, Oh, I've got footage, but I know that's not going to be enough for a good episode. Or how do you decide which ones make it into the 22 or how many videos are you making that you aren't? I'd say we, I mean, you think 22 episodes, most of them have one to two hunts. So that kind of shows you, you, you throw in the rest of them there. There's a lot of bad hunts and I do show, I try, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do try to show a decent amount of the bad hunts. Um, I kind of look at it as, you know, one out of every three to four hunts turns out exactly how you want. Um, and uh, so I'd say that I use one out of, out of three or four hunts, maybe some pieces of the other ones um, to show, especially I, I try to look at it like if you're in North Dakota, and trips, especially I love editing trips because you show the progression. So if I'm going, you know, hunting locally around here and I was just like, Hey, let's go hit this wood duck hole. And we go there and it's junk. It's easy to can because there's no really progression there. Where as if we're traveling out to North Dakota, you have that travel, um, the camaraderie of traveling, the experiences of traveling. And then you get there, you scout, you find this field full of birds, you go out there, things don't work out exactly how you plan, but you're still going to be there for six days. So you can show that progression through the days of the ups and downs of each hunt. It makes it a lot easier. Um, North Dakota, I used, we were out there for nine days and I think I didn't use one hunt. So um, at least something from one hunt. So the trips I'd say I use 95% of the content we shoot with your waterfowling every year it's all centered around getting those 22 episodes right that's your entire goal for all mm -hmm. your getting the 22 episodes yeah 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 so that's what we're, we're contracted out to do is those 22. um you get tired of editing or is it always fun uh i wouldn't say i get tired of it i love the finished product but i get i can get annoyed and stressed out with it um especially when you're not sleeping the trips can be a lot when you're editing on the road doing trips. Um, you know, you're going, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, that, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Uh, that North Dakota hunt. Um, did you, is that the one you guys tag teamed with, uh, um, what's it? White rock decoys. Yeah, they were actually, um, West of us. They hunt probably about two hours West of us. And uh, it just, that was a completely, we talked and they just happened to be out there at the same time we were out there. I mean, we knew before we were going out, um, but uh, we weren't, we didn't really plan it together. Just gotcha. completely just coincidence. Over, overlapped. Yeah. Yep. So that was neat. Yeah. I've, I'm good friends with Jake. Um, he's been awesome to me and we kind of just met on a limb and, and those guys are, are awesome, awesome guys. So. Nice. Didn't they do the video in the corn? Where yeah. Like, oh my crazy God. corn hunt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then it. Yeah, yeah, that was insane. He called me after that hunt, and he was, was like, "Man, I we could have killed our limit with a baseball bat." <laughs> <laughs> was that one in Wisconsin, up there yeah, in Mississippi? That, 
Yep, yep. The Mississippi right off River of it. flooded, and it's wow. it's it's interesting up there because those birds they don't when there's not water in fields they don't hit fields they live on those rivers um, hmm. they don't field hunt much up there at all so we went out there two years ago that was probably one of my favorite trips I mean you want to talk about some serious duck hunters and some serious pressure ducks that pool nine mississippi river has got it <laughs> i mean it's, it's isn't that with people isn't that somewhere where uh or isn't that where somewhere in wisconsin's out of he's not in here tonight but uh i think he's up there uh, yeah, district nine the of wisconsin pools. he's on the back pools of the mississippi i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. nice. yeah yeah so i hear that's just a beautiful area my my oh, dad is gorgeous in the spring and i've got a friend that's been wanting me to come up there that i met he was in the military around here and uh i I, it looks beautiful but that's kind of my impression that it's overrun with guys Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you definitely and i'm no expert on it at all those guys have grown up hunting that um it's i if you have somebody that that knows the area it's it's definitely something to do um i don't know if it's a spot that i would just go freelance and and try it unless i had at least a week and a half. Um, plus you got to add in when we were out there, it was fairly dangerous. I mean, the river was rough. We weren't getting out until nine, 10 o'clock in the morning just because of how rough it was. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that you got to take into consideration as well. You got to have the equipment and the, uh, the safety side of everything on that. Was it wind or high water or what was wind wind? Yep. Yeah, actually, when we were out there, there was one guy that caps. We didn't see it, but um, he capsized and he had to get pulled out just because he had didn't have the equipment to do it. Um, just kind of bit off more than he could chew. So, hmm. it's unforgiving out there. So, well, that yeah. that's the area, and I don't remember what they call it. But when the blizzard, the unexpected mm-hmm. blizzard, flew in and blew in, yep. guys. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there's a book that a guy that was actually out duck hunting. Um, when that took place and he wrote, I think maybe it was actually one of his sons that wrote a fictional account of his father's experience in it, where he, mm-hmm. his father's experience didn't quite have enough adventure for a book, but it was really, it's, it's about a, only about 200 pages, but it's, these guys go out during that storm and almost die. And everyone, I mean, yep. damn, it's an awesome book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what it, the name of that is. I know it exactly too. It's going to bother me. <laughs> Let me kick on some light here. I'm getting go down. Oh, the sun's going down. <laughs> Excuse me. Got some phlegm in the throat tonight. That's probably unnecessary information. But... <laughs> probably not, but I think it's it'll be okay. <laughs> all right. So I guess to change subjects just a little bit, um, so I guess with all the out of state trips you do and, um, you know, just, you know, heading to Canada, you know, New York, Wisconsin, Iowa, I guess, what are some tips for when you're looking into, uh, picking an out of state trip, you know, as, as far as like, you know, I mean the licenses and figuring out the fees for everywhere is different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously the migration just, I guess, go ahead and give us some tips for that. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing, like you said, was figuring out the regulations and, and licenses and stuff like that. Um, every state has their different, different rules. Like for example, 
North Dakota, I can't remember exactly, but there are certain days where you could only hunt Canada geese until noon. You couldn't hunt them in the afternoon, except for like Wednesday and Saturday, like just real random laws and um, really just looking into that, um, you know, how to transport your birds is always a big thing. Um, you know, you can't cross, and this is 95% of states, you can't cross, probably all of them actually, can't cross state lines with just your meat, um, which is something you got to plan for as well. Uh, keeping your birds, how are you going to store your birds? A lot of what we do is we're not going to lodges or anything like that. We're freelancing places. I mean, we, we'll do a guided trip here and there, um, but we're staying, like in North Dakota, we stay in a, one of the farmers we met up there, his machine shop. He's got a camper in there that we sleep in. And, uh, you know, we don't have anything to keep our, our birds cold. So we got to eat them or, you know, keep them cold or fro freeze them. But you got to keep a wing on them as well. Um, and then a lot that we look into is money, obviously. Um, we're, we try to do things as cheap as possible. Um, not, and that is because that's what we, I can afford, but also just because that's relatable. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that can, you can get uh, five or six of your buddies together and, and round up, you know, a couple thousand dollars total and go on one of these adventures is what I like to call it. Um, the first year we did in North Dakota was an absolute just adventure, figuring it out. None of us have ever been out there. And, and uh, that's what, I, that's what I love about traveling. Um, one thing that I always look for, look for, and it, it varies depending on where you're going. And uh, I learned this by trial and error. Like I said, two years ago, we just did a spring trip out to North Dakota, just out of the blue, we went and uh, we didn't really look into what the weather was going to, well, we looked into what the weather was going to be like, but one thing that we didn't look into was the moon phase and it was a full moon. We got out there and in those areas where you have water and crop mixed together, those birds will sit out there all night on a clear night and feed and not fly it during the day. And we went out there and we got our butts kicked because you can't hunt at night. You know, so, um, and then timing, um, if, if, and I, I relate a lot of this back to North Dakota, cause I think it's the most, the easiest one that I can relate to. Um, it seems like every year we're pushing it back a week. Like last year we went out, we wish we went a couple weeks later. We went towards the end of October this year. We went out a week later than we did the pre or two weeks later than we did the previous year, the first week in November. I wish we went a week later. So, um, and that's, you know, those areas will have birds. North Dakota is going to have birds from the opener until it freezes up. That's just because of where it is. But what you want to hit is the big migrator push. Uh, we left right when that was coming, where we were seeing the flocks of a couple hundred mallards pouring in, coming in by the hundreds, you know, the first three or four days there, it was a lot of gadwall, a lot of earlier ducks, teal, widgeon. Um, and then we hit that cold weather. And that was, trying to think when we left there. I want to say we left there around November 9th. And then from the 10th for the next two weeks, it was just absolutely incredible. People had some of the best hunting they've had in years out there. Um, so a lot of it is just weather dependent, um, trying to, trying to pick guess 
a good time is the hardest thing um i would say that you got to do but uh that finding a place to stay knowing local people where when this past year we went out there and and the people out there are probably some of the nicest people i've ever met um just getting to know people where i grew up when i would try to ask permission on places a lot of times i would just get turned down all the time and that kind of shied me away from even trying to do that but when we go out to north dakota we try to talk to as many people as possible um we met a guy last year who gave us a phone book which is huge something i never thought of you can get a phone book of the area you're going to especially with the apps you have nowadays you know whether it's you know you're mapping apps like that give you landowners names it gives you their address but a lot of these people don't live there all the time but if you can get a phone book you have their name and number and can call them that's huge um mapping everything out before you go where you want to go uh we'll spend a lot of time just looking at aerial maps trying to figure out where big concentrations of birds are big bodies of water birds are going to be loafing or roosting um and that's usually where we'll start and then move out from there to try and find unpressured birds um that's probably a huge one is just mapping out where you want to fixate on if you look at something as a whole if you look at north dakota state as a whole it's just going to be so overwhelming if you pick a spot that you're interested in or done research on and then key into what you're going to need you know food rest and then you find your big bodies of water where you're going to hold high concentrations of birds um, those birds that are migrating are going to key into those bigger bodies of water you can find them then move on from there and then ultimately you're going to find other little pockets of birds. we may not want to hunt that giant concentration we may want to hunt the three four hundred birds that are isolated that nobody's messing with because they haven't been messed with they're going to be easier to kill and i think that's apparent in you know snow geese and everything too as well um you look at snow geese and you see these feeds of 10 15 20 000 but if you've got a feed of 1500 that's by itself and there's not the other you know 15 10 8 000 groups of birds feeding all around there hunt the 1500 because there you don't have the competition of the other ones so there's a lot that goes into it and and a lot of it's just trial and error and getting your butt kicked a lot <laughs> and then you start to start to look back on it and and you know realize what worked what didn't and and why it worked um it's kind of that's the awesome thing with video uh i kind of look at it as game tape you know you you go back you look at it you can see how birds reacted to certain things and go why the heck did i do that and then you learn from it so nice <clears throat> get anything to add on that elliot um have you ever been to the missouri river on the south dakota nebraska border no i haven't i haven't um i have a good friend that lives out there right uh right in yankton yeah um, and it's it's a an awesome area i've been meaning to get out there i'd like to get out there this year actually but i've never i've never hunted out there nope it's a cool place we went up there one time we hit the way the, the problem with our trips is that i've got a full-time job so we have mm -hmm. to put them on a calendar yep we talked to dr duck about this he's like you know the number one way to be successful on a trip is don't pre-schedule it yeah based on the weather information you have but at this point in in my life i don't have that luxury 
So we went up there based on what the traditional prime time is. And, and on a normal weather pattern, it's second to third week of November. But those last, not this year, but the two previous were so warm that, I mean, we, we probably shot in three days, six, eight birds. Mm-hmm. But it is, a, it is such a cool place. I mean, it is an amazing place if, if you get a chance to go there. Yeah. And you said that was the Missouri, Missouri side? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we, we, we were hunting because, no, it was uh, right on, well, right up by Yankton, like you're talking. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we were launching um, out of South Dakota. Okay. And down into there, just, I don't I guess I probably shouldn't pinpoint, but. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it is an amazing, if you've never been there, you have to have the gear for it. Most mm-hmm. of the guys up there use those massive boat lines. Yeah. And they brush them in. Now, what we do is we've got a 18 foot with a surface drive on it, and then we carry our layout boats on top of that. Mm-hmm. We get out into it, then we pull the layout boats on, and there's a bunch of little pools in there that those big boats can't even get to. And you can just portage them across ankle deep water. There's pools and everywhere. It is an incredible place. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely something I've looked at that a lot. I know a lot. And uh, runs up through Nebraska. They they have some awesome success on like the sandbars and everything like that. If I had to pick one thing to hunt, it rivers. I love hunting rivers. Rivers are nice. are one of my favorite types of hunting. We didn't have any. We didn't get to do much of it this year, except for when we were out in Nebraska. We hunted North Platte, and uh, that's an awesome area. That's a really really cool area. Um, the amount of birds out there this year was absolutely just mind-boggling um probably one of my favorite trips of of the last year be our nebraska trip sweet i'm definitely yeah, we never had rivers too flat. we had a, we had a trip all lined up um for this year over christmas break and the temperatures were like negative five mm-hmm. and my dad's got a pacemaker and even though they had heated blinds i just talked to a guy he contacted me he said why don't you guys come on up and we had to cancel it last second because of the weather. And we were so bummed because that's always been a dream destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's cool. We we were out there. We flew into Colorado or Denver and then drove. I can't even remember when it was. They all run together. Um, but the amount of Canada's out there were absolutely insane. I mean, we were seeing feeds of 10, 12,000 birds of Canada's. And it was just like, whoa. Well, are we hunting dark geese or are we hunting snow geese? Yeah. It was something something special. And when we talked to talk to the guys out there, they're like, we haven't seen this in years and years and years and years. So I would definitely make that a, a top priority to get out there and, and experience that. And just the culture behind duck hunting out there is really cool. Yeah, I think we're going to try. It's a little bit the place where we were going was a little bit farther west on – um, the plat. I think we're going to try to set it up again this year. We're dying to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. I guess this is probably a good point to change gears and go to the lightning round. Let's do it the same way we did it last week, Elliot. I'll go first, and then you add yours in at the back end. Okay. Um, it looks like we got your buddy and uh, Jake from White Rock Decoys, uh, John. <laughs> uh oh. He's talking trash about your boat blinds. <laughs> he is not a boat blind fan. I'm not a boat blind. Fan. <laughs> I'm with him on that one. I think they're. I don't like them either. I'll agree All right. With 
So light, lightning round is quick answers, quick, short questions. So we're just going to buzz right through them. I'll go with some, then Elliot's going to go with some. Um, but before we do that, if you guys have made it this far, make sure to hit that like button. Um, and if you haven't followed me and Elliot on our channels, Freelance Duck Hunting and Duck Gun Chronicles and John at Just Hunt Club, all linked down in the description down below. Um, don't do it right now, but <laughs> go on to their channels at some point and hit that subscribe button. All right. First question. Uh, what gun do you shoot? John. Oh. Sorry. Um, it's uh, CZ USA 712 12-gauge. And what's your dream gun? My dream gun? I don't really have one, to be honest. I'm, I'm pretty simple. Um, if I had to pick, I don't shoot. I like. I do really like the <laughs> SX3. My buddy has been shooting. I, I love that gun. Shot size for ducks? Uh, two shot. Shot size for geese? BB. Uh, three inch or three and a half inch? Three inch. Face paint or no face paint? No face paint. Uh, cheapest, on the day. cheapest state to travel to for hunting that's worth the money? <laughs> Missouri. Uh, dream destination for hunting? Uh, probably Oregon, Washington. Mojo or Lucky Duck? Lucky Duck. Ammo brand? I shoot Ken a lot. Uh, favorite flavor of ice cream? Ooh, cookie dough. <laughs> All right, on to you, Elliot. Uh, what editing software do you use? Uh, Premiere Pro, Creative Cloud. How many cameras do you take with you on a hunt? Including everything, probably five or six. Uh, what is the top end camera? Uh, it's a Sony PXW Z150. The price range on that? It's right around thirty-five, I believe. Thirty-five hundred. Oh, fair. Um, I think that's all I've got. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into some live questions. Um, just go ahead and drop those in the comments, or not the comments, I guess the chat. <laughs> I'm going to start with one while they pop up there. Yeah, um, go for it. The so white rock decoy said boat lines are silly. Can you comment <laughs> I've got opinions on it, but I'm curious of what yours are, John. I think that they have their place. Um, my example of that would be where we hunted in Canada. You couldn't hunt without one, really. Um, you had to be, you were very limited to where you could hunt. If I had to choose whether to hunt in one or not hunt in one, I would never hunt in one. I don't like them. Reasons? Uh, everybody and their friends has one out opening day of duck season. Ducks, they don't look natural, in my opinion, um, unless you're doing some crazy camo job to it. I'd rather use natural vegetation and kind of blend in with natural vegetation than have a giant boat sticking out with a blind on it i'm sure i know there are exceptions to this so this comment makes people mad sometimes but would you agree that guys that shoot out of um if you take the average range that it's someone not in a boat blind pulls the trigger on versus someone in a boat blind would you assume that the boat blind just naturally averages a farther shot yeah i would i would have to agree with that for the most part the exception being overhanging trees if you can get those boats under overhanging. Yeah. Now I will say the guys up in on the border of Nebraska and South Dakota, 
they go, I mean, they go off with the way they brush these boats. I mean, it's as crazy and natural. Yeah. They, it's, they just, it's like a big bush. Mm-hmm. It's, you see them going down on a trailer and it's, it is incredible what they do. Yep. Those boats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, what I would see, especially a lot when I lived in Iowa was just, you know, a boat with raffia grass on it backed up to something that was not even that color, you know, and it just looked God awful. Um, yeah. And you'd see ducks flare off it yeah. from, you know, 150 yards away. So, but if I had the choice to hunt in one or not hunt in one, I was going to hunt. In yeah. Uh, Michael was asking earlier, he asked uh, where in New York, you don't have to be too specific, but yeah, no, I live, um, on this, I guess you would consider it the southern tier. So on the southern end of the Finger Lakes, um, particularly, I live just south of Seneca Lake. So that would be, if you look on a map at the Finger Lakes, it's the biggest one. Gotcha. Um, someone asked, baby mojo or regular size mojo a little earlier as well? Um, uh, baby mojo, really. For a lot of my, the way I hunt, where I'm going in, to places that I got to pack into or something like that. Mm. I don't want the extra weight or size. A question for you, Elliot, uh, what kind of surface drive do you have or recommend looking um, to purchase one this summer? A, uh, mud buddy called black death. It's a 4,200. And we have had, we have had mechanical problems with that motor since day one, literally on the first day it was cold and it wouldn't start. Now I, I believe that Mud Buddy makes a good motor, but there's so many moving parts. It's got an electric tilt, and it just we've had so many problems with it that I think looking back on it, um, I think going for one that has a little less moving parts, a little less high tech, I think might hold up longer. Um, and so we are actually looking possibly to change motors so that we can get something that just holds up a little bit better. You guys see that they're uh, banning uh, surface drive motors in Arkansas public land? I, th- I thought I saw something about that, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. What's your opinion on that, John? I hunted Arkansas public land three years, um, and it is an experience. <laughs> it's actually kind of intimidating, um, but I don't know. I don't see why, what is the, what is the, benefit of of outlawing surface drives um i don't know if they think they're too dangerous for steering or i have no idea i don't think it's that i here's why i would be for that here in kansas is that it it makes it too easy for people we have huge pools in some areas of the state that if you just give me a paddle on a layout boat i'm gonna be able to get on ducks that don't get hunted because they're such big pools Mm -hmm. If you, there are so, I remember when I actually saw my first boat go by that had a long tail on it. I usually, my mouth just dropped my dad because I'd never <laughs> seen one. I mean, they brought those things back from Vietnam. That's kind of where they got the idea of them when the soldiers were over there in the war. They used them in the rice fields over there. But um, if, if you were to outlaw those, I, it would benefit me, us with layout boats who don't mind paddling a mile, two miles. It would certainly, so from, for selfish reasons. I would be all for it. But I think that they're just trying to limit what guys can do, I think. 
Uh, Jordan Roller was saying, uh, they say they're too loud and disturb the ducks and churn up the natural vegetation on the bottom. I so, can see the vegetation aspect. Yeah, I can of see it. that too. They they can cause some serious damage. Yeah. Uh, and they do pressure the ducks because guys get out there in those surface drives and long tails all day long, just looking and and they're just flushing ducks and flushing ducks and flushing ducks. Now in Arkansas, and, most of those public lands, you have to you cannot be on the water after noon. So mm-hmm. those so those ducks are it's noon or one. So I guess I can see see like in your in your instance if you have the public lands where people can be on all day. What's the difference of you know? How can you not determine that harassing wildlife too? You know what I mean? It's one of those gray areas. So yeah. <clears throat> now in Arkansas, you can't can you you can't use motion decoys either. Can you? They I'm pretty sure they outlawed them, or in the public lands last year. They just uh, sure, allowed sure. them in Pennsylvania last year. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing. I remember growing up. I grew up, you know, not far from the Pennsylvania New Jersey border, Delaware. We would hunt the Delaware River quite a bit, and you'd be on—you'd be hunting the same exact river, but you'd look across, and there'd be mojos spinning on the other side. But you couldn't use them. <laughs> so, yeah, that yeah. was a big—the their sales and in, uh, in Cabela's and everything. Actually, when I was at the Cabela's Waterfowl Classic in Pennsylvania, they had mojo the all the mojos there, and they were going like hotcakes because nice. <laughs> everyone was like i can finally use these things so yeah yeah that was a that was a big one for pa now they just got to pass sunday hunting so that one's been in the books for a while oh, yeah. that's a hard one that uh, yeah it's it's tough i mean it's my my argument towards that is it's it's really junky for hunter recruitment um mm. i know growing up my family my dad and and stuff they would work monday through friday and a lot of saturdays you know their only day off may have been sunday so you're taking these kids that you know their parents may work six out of the seven days they can't get out and they have no one to take them out hunting by not letting them letting you hunt sunday so that's my that's my biggest argument towards it is it's terrible for for hunter recruitment and for the average guy that has a full-time job and is trying to get out you know has two days a week to hunt maybe one and he, yeah. you're taking one of them away from him so that's my two cents on it <laughs> I, I don't know how old you are john Were, are you old enough to remember when motion ducks first came onto the market i'm only 25 you're not probably then no <laughs> i don't I'll remember oh i guess and like the other thing is too i grew up in pennsylvania so i never it was never even an option for me to pay much attention to it so but, so when they started showing up, I, I was, I'm 40, almost 45. So I hunted the first probably 10, I guess, 10 years of my duck hunting career without them. Mm-hmm. First started showing up. I didn't want to get one, but on public land, if there was anyone with a robo duck is what we called them back then. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone with a robo duck within a mile of you, you weren't shooting the duck. Yep. Yeah. It was like, it was magic. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <laughs> I still yeah. think they work well, but those first few years, in fact, I held out several years, so I kind of missed the best couple of years. <laughs> I didn't want to get one. I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. But man, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely have their place. I will use them and I will, they're, they're usually the first thing I yank out of a spread when something's not working. Um, use them a lot to gain attention and then just 
see how it works. You know, if birds are finishing with them running, let them run. But if they're acting weird, shut those things off. I Have always... you ever shut them off and, and it made a difference? As they're coming in? Well, no, by shut them off, I assume you just mean not use them at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, there's days that I, I – my two cents on that is um, if you look at a raft of ducks, and when, when I hunted a lot in Iowa, I'd hunt a lot of um, migration and uh, bigger water for, you know, when birds are pushing through and looking for a spot to rest. They are absolutely killer for that because, especially on sunny days, I mean, you look at your migration, it's going to be a more clear north wind, sunny day. If you're running those mojos and uh, um, if you look at a, a, a raft of ducks, there's always flickering. If you look at mallards out on a raft flapping their wings, it looks flashy. Um, but I'll run them, catch the duck's attention, and then shut them off. So I always run them with a remote. Once I have them locked in, just shut them off once they start coming in. And it seems to work out pretty well. On a cloudy day, I'll use them sometimes, but I'll try to hide them more so they're not as prevalent. Um, if you have some sort of brush or something, you can kind of hide them back or do the same thing, use them to get their attention and then kill them once they, once they start to start to come in. I have heard a lot of people say that, you know, they, they just take them out of their spread when things aren't going well or late in the season. And when we, when we get those days where the ducks are really wary and they're not quite finishing or they're, and they're not coming in, we'll pull the spinner and not one time has I, have we ever pulled the spinner and then all of a sudden felt like it made a, a, a benefit that it benefited. Yeah. Yeah. We have, I, I, I feel confident saying that we've pulled it and it's made a difference. Um, I, I especially think on cloudy days, I try not to use them as much on cloudy days just because you have no shadows. It's just like hiding on cloudy days. It's always yeah. more difficult to hide on a cloudy day because birds can see so much better. Um, yeah. So those wings don't look like when they're hitting that sunlight, they give that flash of birds, you know, dive and fly and land. And when it's cloudy, if you even look at it in a camera, it just looks fake. So that's interesting. I've never thought about that with spinners, sunny versus cloudy. That's mm -hmm. very interesting. And maybe I'm completely wrong. I may have made that up to make well, it make sense to me but <laughs> sounds I've good thought that people in waterfowling a lot of times we're all guilty of like something happens one time and then for oh, the yeah. rest of your life you're going well it, this is the general yeah. rule like your yeah. data pool is one yeah that works. flared ducks never use it again yeah people do that though they do it yeah oh yeah i've i've done it i've yeah. done it so you got to kind of think about it too you think about people used to kill birds over or gallon jugs of milk jugs painted you know you can kill them over what we got nowadays Put that's the a challenge yeah i think we need to we need to try that next year i'll go out with just a dozen milk jugs and see how we do yeah let me know how it works out and then i'll give it a shot <laughs> I've, got, I've, got a guy over, I've got a patreon account and one of my patrons has a video where he used mostly black jugs and sprinkled in like a half dozen decoys and they shot ducks over it i'm gonna try that that sounds mm -hmm. awesome yeah, a lot of guys do it for, for and, and everything. They they did it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We have a friend that's making all almost all of his decoys now out of cork um foam. He actually picked up a bunch of foam off the highway and has been been making his diver rig. His name's uh Caleb Frey. And uh he's got he's talented and he's been killing ducks over them all year. It's really cool. Really, really nice. cool. You take you know, you're spending all this money on 
on these decoys <laughs> and then you got a guy picking up foam off the highway making decoys and killing ducks over them. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, but. All right. Well, we're over the hour, Mark. You got anything else to add, Elliot? Oh, just one more thing real quick. Do you, yeah. do you guys um, log your hunts, keep statistics, anything like that? Um, I've always actually wanted to, um, and I guess my excuse to not doing it is I have all the footage. So in, in like, kind of, I guess I log it in video, but I don't, I don't, uh, actually write it down just because numbers or anything like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, everything we have is broken down to the day where we're at, everything like that. So, um, if I really want to, want to look into something, I, I go back and just watch the video. Yeah. But I, I should, I would like to. That kind of stuff. What's that? Sorry, I missed you. But like your numbers, how many you're harvesting, your averages per hunt, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Co- Cody, actually, he's more into that than me. I think, what did we, what did we end up, he's sitting right here working on videos. What did we end up killing this past year? How many birds around? Yeah, we, last year we killed, or this season we killed right around 2,200. Wow. So. That's snow geese, though, too. We had a heck of a week in Arkansas <laughs> or two weeks in Arkansas. So that was close to a thousand birds right there. Oh, wow. I've got a website that I'm having developed. It's out right now, but it's still just in its infancy. It's called Freelance Hunt Stats, where I'm trying mm-hmm. to make it really user friendly and easy for people to know there are birds per hunt, how many they shot. Mm-hmm different types and so i always yeah. like gauge what the interest in i think there's a definitely interest if in, you can make it easy for guys yeah That's- absolutely yeah 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 i think there is i mean if i didn't if i didn't video everything i i did i would definitely and i still am interested in it even though i do we do video at all um i i think there's a lot that you can learn from it as well you know especially when you start including the weather you know everything like that there's there's a lot of things yeah. that can line up and, and teach you a lot from from logging hunts absolutely absolutely nice all right well if you guys are still here hit that like button john go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you social media youtube all that kind of stuff yeah so uh the cabela's series if you go on youtube and just type in cabela's hunting uh the all the northern flight videos that will be on there um we just started the youtube channel it started out as just hunt ducks now it is just hunt club so you can head over to youtube check that out we actually just released our first turkey hunting video sunday um youth hunt missouri we little kid uh stuck out the cold weather and got got his bird um one of our good friends lance million he's producing that um for us and putting it up there and then we're also doing a turkey series that the promo just came out. Scout Look Weather um, is going to be hosting it all. I'll be doing the production side of it, uh, myself and Cody. Um, the guys are heading out to Kentucky this week. You can find that on Scout Look's YouTube channel and their Facebook page. Head over to the, check out the promo. Let us know. And the biggest thing we want to do is if you guys have questions, um, the main main focus behind youtube channel is to to help everybody out and and just uh share share whatever we know to get some more guys out in the field and teach you a thing or two from the mistakes that we've made over the last 12 to 15 years of our lives so if we can save you some headaches if you got questions for us feel free to let us know we'd love to hear from you 
Awesome. Well, me and Elliot really appreciate you coming on here tonight. It was a great conversation, great time. Yeah. So stay in contact. Hopefully we can, uh, yeah, hopefully we can have you on again sometime. And uh, yeah. Anything else to add, Elliot? Not at all. It just was a pleasure talking to you and getting, you have a lot of knowledge here. I thought you were a little older than 25. It's not <laughs> I was thinking like, yeah, if you look at my hairline, I look. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, guys, don't forget turkey pictures on the Fellowship of the Duck Gun. And that's all we got for you this week. And we'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Duck Gun Podcast. Thanks as always, guys, for your continued support. If you want to join us live on these podcasts, live streams, then head over to my channel at Duck Gun Chronicles or Elliot's at Freelance Duck Hunting. Um, We alternate between them week by week. And if you want to check us out on Facebook, we got a closed Facebook group. We keep it chill, keep it cool in there, and we continue the conversation afterwards. Fellowship the Duck Gun. Check us out, guys. Anyways, that's all we got for this this week. Next week, turkey conversation on Elliot's channel. That's all, guys. Let's go.